and another thing with Dave, Dave Smith, bringing it to you, seeking the truth, exposing the lies <laughs> one at a time. Um, and we were kind of talking about a whole lot of things. Where do you want to, where do you want to pick that up? We usually do. Dave. You know, we, we don't segue as much as we just drift. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but I, I think we were, we left off with, um, um, Franklin Roosevelt and some of the things that, that he did. And, um, earlier we were, I was looking at Facebook and a, a gentleman that we know was telling me that, uh, Donald Trump was the greatest president. We, nobody's done more for the American people than Donald Trump. Eddie, <laughs> we won't say his last name, but right. Eddie. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I'll, I, I try to keep names out of it, but there, there you go. Um, Good guy. Does this guy not know anything about history? I mean, right. He, Trump has done more from people than, than Franklin Roosevelt. That is just absolutely insane. Oh, it just unbelievable. And uh, that's right. One thing I would like to reiterate is, is when you triggered my memory about FDR, I, I hipped you to this documentary that I watched that, that was new to me. And I saw this. Uh, in 2019, near the end of 2019, a documentary about how there was a plot to overthrow FDR in a military coup. Mm-hmm. So the, the ruling elite of our country, the banksters and the billionaires got together and they approached who they thought was a shoe in as the leader of their coup. But it was General... Uh, Smedley, Smedley Butler, uh-huh. and he is a true patriot. So he didn't. He would not sell out, and instead, he tried to get to to he he went along with their plan long enough to gain as much information as he could, and then he exposed the entire thing. Wow, that's a but story he, that's not been told enough. It I, the only time I've ever seen it is in this one documentary. And it should be required reading for every high school student. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm, I'm surprised it doesn't didn't make the History Channel as much. Because now that well, you told me about it, Dave, it kind of re it kind of jogged my memory. That I think I think I did hear something about that, but it was a long time ago, and it just wasn't one of those that it's not one of those stories that's told over and over again. You know, Smedley Butler should be like a George Washington in our history books, right? Well, he should get, he should at least get a chapter. <laughs> God, he doesn't even get a chapter. Absolutely. Here's a career, career military guy, 30 years, I think. The most decorated Marine at the time. So nobody at his time, nobody has more, you know, decorations and medals than he did. Wow. And then he flipped and he's like, fucking war is a racket. He saw it. He's like, I'm going to all these different countries and I'm fighting for corporate profit that has nothing to do with American freedom and nothing to do with your average American's interest. So when they tell us we need to protect American interests, what they're talking about is Exxon, freaking Apple, Amazon. They don't give a fuck about your interests tony about my interests about protecting the sovereignty of our country and 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 even democracy right and this is the travesty 
is that we'll go so far as to subvert a democracy and put a dictatorship in place if it's favorable to American businesses. Criminal. It's criminal. And what gets me, Tony, is this, and, and this has been proven out through many, many countries throughout Central and South America. The, and let's look at Iraq even. So we knew they had oil, but they had like three times more oil than we thought. We found a whole oil field we didn't, that nobody knew existed. And it was massive, right? And their oil got privatized for the first time since the 70s. And Iraq was making on its own oil 25 cents on the dollar. So corporations were making 75 cents on the dollar. Iraq's getting 25 cents for their own fucking oil. How did the American people benefit from that? All these companies got rich. Halliburton, all these security companies, Boeing, the military industrial complex, every little avenue of it. And, and then the oil companies themselves, the distribution companies, you look at the down the down stream network of everybody that made money from that right but the american people fucking paid for it so my question to you i'm going to wrap this in a second how do we get duped into support our troops when our troops aren't protecting us they're going and starting shit somewhere to steal something for a corporation well, they're protecting interests that just not the American people's interest or the corporation's interest. But how, how do people not see that? Yeah, that's a good question, Dave. I, I think, you know, you and I have talked many times about how people just come to believe something and just nothing can change their mind. And I, I don't know how that works, that there's some kind of, you know, we're, we're so easily manipulated. And you know, we all like to think we know, Dave. We all like to think we know when we have the answer. And once we're stuck in one train of thought, you know, if, if you challenge me on that thought, you're telling me I'm wrong. And I get defensive. You and I go through this all the time. You know what I mean? And it's hard to resist that. Well, and it's not that we have to agree on everything, certainly. But at least, like, if, if history shows this, maybe we should think it's real. If, if experts are telling us this, we should look at it and go, well, maybe this has some validity. You know, if science and experts are telling you something, Dave, I'm not saying believe it just to believe it, but maybe, maybe it has some validity. Maybe we should take it seriously. Thank you. And I would just like to plug, I think, what might be uh, both of our favorite documentary, Plutocracy. Um, <clears throat> because I think it really all goes back to that. I really think it does. The control of information, the limiting of education, <clears throat> right? Because, oh, we were talking about population control and population, you know, explosion and the rarity of, of, uh, or the, you know, the ideology of scarcity, Mm -hmm. which is really what it is when in reality it's just a distribution problem um but anyway i think all of these things are 
manipulated and focused. And I think our, our, our attention on it is manipulated and propagandized by the ruling elite who now own all of our media, right? So that's how your Eddie and a, uh, your, your Eddie's <laughs> of the world can. Don't can, say the last name. <laughs> exactly. I, you know, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. Yeah. He's a good guy. But uh, that's how these people, the Jasons, the Andrews, can can believe that you're a penko commie if you believe this. Like, wait a minute. Weren't we founded on dissent and rebellion? And so back to the term conspiracy theory. We're talking about that, too. I'm sorry. I'll give it right back to you, Tom. But um, I want to hear your theory on conspiracy theory because. That was stolen from us. So now it's bad to think. It's bad to want to investigate something, right? But we put these labels. It's like Penko Kami, conspiracy theorist, right? Like you just, you're right away, like you know what that person is and you discount everything they say. Let me hear you on that. Well, I think it's only wrong, Dave, if you do that immediately without any information. If you if you take an opinion and you base you have just the basic knowledge of something and you've only heard it just a little bit and then okay I don't need to hear anymore that's a problem but if you indeed have looked and read and discussed things you know for quite a long time you know and over and over again you're going to form an opinion and I think that's an educated opinion it may not be the truth but that's an educated opinion the problem with it that I have is like you're saying, people want to shut you down immediately, right? Like you think this, or you're, you're posing this question and they're just, no way, can't be, uh-uh. Like, well, you didn't even look at any information. You haven't, you know, that's when I think that, that's just absolutely ridiculous. You know, if somebody wanted to discuss, you know, like with our, our friend Eddie, like Donald Trump's the greatest president, nobody's done more for the American people than Donald Trump. It's like, well, shouldn't we actually like look into that a little bit and discuss other presidents and maybe just for laughs, Dave, go to the experts, like historians. Maybe we should do that before we form an opinion. Now, maybe Eddie has done that. I don't know him. I haven't seen him since high school, Dave. So maybe, maybe he has. But I'm just thinking that anybody that makes that statement hasn't done that. It's a bold statement. It's a really bold statement, right? Yeah. I mean, well, FDR, Dave, through his administration, when we were in, you know, the clutches of the Great Depression, okay, and we got the 40-hour work week and anti-child labor laws, you know, and better working conditions. And, you know, instead of putting all our resources, David, and, you know, the, the wealthiest getting, getting everything – He's the one that went to these big industrialists and big manufacturing companies, Dave, and said, you got to you got to put out the money for this new deal. Or, you know, it's like kind of like when your mom used to say, stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about. I mean, right. historians, some historians will tell you, Dave, that FDR with some of the socialist socialistic program saved capitalism from itself. You know how I heard it best described, Tony, is that he, 
Donald is, Trump is a better president? That it's just ridiculous. Yeah. You you know how I heard it described is that FDR described to the banksters and the elite, <clears throat> if you don't do this now, you're gonna be dealing with pitchforks. Yes. He scared them. And they were a right to be scared. Dave. And he was correct. Mm-hmm. What we lack now is just that leadership. Right? I, 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 right now, I think we, we're looking at a major void of leadership. I mean, there's no national consensus, national plan on how we should deal with this. And God, I still understand that the testing, we're still way behind in the testing. I'm not how even, could that be? I'm not even just talking about the pandemic. I'm talking about calling out corporate America. Like the working class <clears throat> is being buried. Like in income inequality, the worst since the Gilded Age. And the Gilded Age sounds nice, but that's like the height of income inequality when the rich were the richest and there were shanty towns in every inner inner city throughout America. You know, with yeah. third world conditions in our inner cities. Um, when the graph looks when the graph on this Dave, to show you the numbers, the graph looks like a suspension bridge, like the Golden Gate. You have the two peaks, and then the, the major swing down, and the two peaks, it's like, oh, yeah, the Gilded Age. And then also in the 1920s, and then you have now, where income inequality is like, oh, my God, only a few people control all the wealth. How, how did we get here? Why are we okay? 10% have 90% of the wealth. I've heard all sorts of numbers, Dave. Yours sounds, you know, pretty accurate. Redacted tonight did a great one on it, and uh, and once again, what I love about Lee Camp is that he he references somebody's article. An expert has an expert on, so he's not just pulling shit out of his ass, right? But and I forget the exact numbers. I'll put this. I'll look up the episode and put the link in uh, the description of this of the podcast, but um, I'm paraphrasing, I'm going off memory, but what I believe he said that there is that there were like 384 people in the United States that had as much wealth as like 300 million or something like that. Wow. So, and then it was hilarious. He's like, I think we could take them. I say, I say, a hundred million go for the throat, and two hundred million go for the knees. <laughs> right? Uh, those, those numbers are just crazy. They're mind-boggling. But it, it blows it blows it out of the water. Like, I'm sorry, but no gated community could keep a hundred million people back. <laughs> you know? yeah, it would be nice to think that we could get to a point, Dave, where we wouldn't we wouldn't have to do that, where we could do it legislatively. I would. I agree. I agree. That would be really great. I agree. I'm just... Remember, who once there is a an overthrow, Dave, it doesn't always go well, and it doesn't always help the people for which it's supposed to be helping. Most times revolution comes to mind. Most times it goes yeah. hardcore authoritarian. So it, it backfires. Yes. 
It absolutely does. Right. But the American Revolution is actually, you know, an outlier in terms of uh, popular overthrows uh, of, and uh, government coups. Yeah, and a popular gain from the, the end result. Exactly. And not go, not slipping into total chaos. Right. Um, and obviously, not, not that the American Revolution was perfect. <laughs> it, it had a lot of its flaws, too. It took a couple of hundred years to work out, to work them out, and haven't worked them all out yet. Well, I've said it before. I'll say it again, Tony. I almost think our only hope to get these banksters, all these people that got bailed out in 2008 that should have they should have been flooded out like moles in the hole, right? We should have flooded those holes and drowned them while we could. Refused any bailout and put the dagger through the heart like we talked about in the last podcast. But uh Oh, man, but we didn't. So they grew and they're bigger and more susceptible to those same problems now, more intermingled throughout the industry. I almost think what the, our only hope for that is a military coup with, with like, say, a new General but- Smedley Butler who's like, you know what? I'm going to do this. And it might look authoritarian, and it is, but for the right reasons to restore true democracy. Yeah, but you just hope that right person comes along. And that they don't dupe you and that it's not, and then you don't slip into dictatorship, right? Because it could go either way at that point. You know, because Castro looked great to the, the average people, and certainly some good things did happen you know, under his regime, but they ended up another totalitarian state. Well, you know, and most people didn't end up any better off as far as financially. Well, you know? although they better education, I understand, and better health care. Mm-hmm. You know? <clears throat> yeah. So let's talk about that. I saw a great documentary. Uh, fuck, now I'm going to have to write this down too, because anytime I talk about this shit and reference a documentary, I want people to be able to see it. So I, I need to write down what I'm talking about so that I can reference it and give people the link, right? You know, in the description of our podcast. Yeah. So uh, now we're talking about, um, what's his butt? What's his name? Castro. Castro, thank you. So I watched this amazing documentary about Castro. And it was, you know, it put together a bunch of shit that I haven't seen before, which was Che Guevara, who was a freedom fighter from central from mexico he went there to to join the freedom fight in in uh castro's cuba and what they did revolutionized their country so you know we we through sanctions we fucked them they didn't have gasoline they don't have any domestic gasoline so they couldn't drive anymore right so what Castro did is he met, he put a school within 10 miles of every house and gave everybody a free bicycle. Hmm. And f- so now the education's free, healthcare's free, and you got a free way to get to, and, and everybody can get to that free school. So what is the end? And this is in the 60s. No, this was in the 50s, right? As, as a, a backlash to all the, well, the revolution is the revolution is in 59 right so thank you so it's in direct 
to right right away he does this within the first year. So I think this is 59 or 60. And what is the result? Now Cuba is exporting doctors throughout the world because they have one of the most highly educated populations in the world. Like along the the, the along the lines of like Switzerland, Cuba, like we're not even on the list. We don't export doctors. We import doctors from India, from Cuba, from China, from the Philippines, right? Every time one of them's, you know, um, interviewed on uh, these the news channels, it's Sanjay Gupta. I like <laughs> I like I like him a lot. Yeah, he actually did a great um, segment on marijuana the healing aspects of marijuana and to credit him very open-minded man. He did a totally anti marijuana, just spewing propaganda 10 years ago. Then he did research. He's been paying attention to the progression of research. Right. And, and he, he came forward and said, I'm sorry, but what, what I said before was not factually true. We have new evidence now that counters what I was taught. I like somebody who can admit when they were wrong. And, yeah, yeah. I got to give him credit for that. Absolutely. And he did this on mainstream media, Tony. You can see, San, uh, what's his name again? Sanjay Gupta. Sanjay Gupta on marijuana mm-hmm. on YouTube. Um, and you can look it up and you'll see this clip where he, he starts off saying, you know, before I got it wrong, let's look at the benefits because they're widespread and, and evident. You know, and, and so this really went mainstream when Colorado legalized recreational marijuana, right? Because then people could start doing study, real legitimate medical studies because it wasn't illegal there. So mm-hmm. they started learning so much. So, oh my God, for epileptic seizures, It's priceless. So people with kids that had epileptic seizures started moving from across the country to Colorado because they could provide their children with this medicine that they would be arrested for in the state that they used to live in. It's crazy. And meanwhile, yeah, I think I saw something like that, as a matter of fact. Yeah. And this is this is the episode that Sanjay Gupta does. And he interviews a bunch of families and he talks about their experience. It's 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 fascinating. <clears throat> uh, there wasn't there one chain they came up with, Dave, that actually took out the 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 elements that actually get you high and just kept the elements that are good for the particular ailment. CBD. Is that what it is? Yep. Can, uh, cannabinol, so and basically, but but from all the research I've done, it's the whole plant. You want the THC in there as well. Um, there's because there's m- a lot of evidence that it actually fights cancer as well. This guy Rick Simpson has done a bunch of research and treated a bunch of different people, and he's actually had people that were diagnosed terminal cancer, he's had their tumors disappear, shrink and disappear 
and, and been able to show that with photographs and x-rays. They're shrinking and then eventually not detectable. And this is by, by, do, by eating a high concentrate of the whole plant. Um, so, you know, religious people would say God put it out as it should be, right? So, so it's, it's, it's almost like a religious right thing. Like, well, we'll extract this one thing from the plant. And maybe you can do that, right? Maybe, you know, maybe there's, because that's, that's the truth with a lot of the rainforest, right? 90% of our drugs come from 10% of the plants in the rainforest that we have, we've only explored 10% of them. And those are the basis wow. of 90% of our pharmaceuticals. And it is what you're just talking about. It's extracting this element out of that plant. So, so I'm kind of just countering myself. Yeah, that is valid because that's what our whole medical system is based on right now. But what I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, you know, to use this stuff is in the best way we possibly can. Instead of just saying, no, this one's illegal. You can't do this is is so unbelievably stupid. I can't believe we would go years and years and years and not let this happen. Decades. It's like, why would we not want to study this? Well, you know, what's the point of not, what's the point of not knowing? This doesn't make any sense. Well, do you want to hear my take on that? Go ahead. So it was, it was outlawed in 1937, right? There were three people that lobbied for that. Henry Anslinger, who was... The drugs, the first drugs are. Yep. Trying to make a name for himself. Big ego. Super freaking like right-wing religious fundamentalist. Hardcore dude. Then uh, William Randolph Hearst, who, uh, who ran a bunch of newspapers, and he owned a bunch of forest... Right. And his dream was to be able to make his newspapers out of his trees. And then the other culprit, or should I say member of this conspiracy, was DuPont, the DuPont family. Now, in 1937, the DuPont family invented nylon, which directly competed with hemp. In a number of ways, nylon is superior like for a, for a backpacking tent, you can now mm-hmm. you can now have a backpacking tent that you can go snow camping with, or or you can camp on the side of a cliff when you're rock climbing. Those crazy suspension tents you could and those things weigh like two and a half pounds, two and a half pounds, nothing, right? If it was hemp, it would weigh like five and a half pounds, and that's you know, it's prohibitive. So. But for a lot of things, hemp was far superior, and nylon is a petroleum-based product. So hemp is completely green, carbon negative, and nylon is carbon intensive. So there's that. And then there's the fact that DuPont invented the chemical process to turn wood pulp into paper. Oh, wow. Yep. Yep. That same year, 
So all of a sudden, William Randolph Hearst could cut down all of his forest and turn that into fucking newspapers. And he wouldn't have to buy, you know, before that, 90% of paper and linens were all hemp. So your bed sheets, Levi's were made out of hemp. Um, your towel, would be, your drapes, your carpet, all of that, the Bible, books, writing paper, all made out of hemp. And the beauty of that is you could take your hemp bed sheet, and when that wore out, you could recycle it and make a, a shirt out of it or a pair of pants or it doesn't go in the garbage. It doesn't go in landfill with paper, right? So imagine the, the not only the saved energy, but, well, mostly the saved energy, I guess. Imagine that if you could just, like, oh, my jeans wore out. Now I'm going to bring them to the hemp recycling plant and they'll make it into a shirt. Right. Or a new pair of jeans. Ingenious. Right. But somehow we got duped by those three people to think that hemp was marijuana. Marijuana was hemp. There's no difference. And in reality, they're like distant cousins. They're the same family, but different species. Right. So it's like a pit bull and a fucking uh, French poodle. Or, yeah, exactly. They're both dogs, but holy fuck, they're not even close, right? Um, so one gets you high, one won't get you high if you smoke it till you're blue in the face. But they smeared that from 1937 till just recently. It's, 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 unbelievable the, the the effectiveness of that smear campaign and then other companies and industries come in and want to benefit from that smear campaign so say the tobacco industry right because if you're smoking pot well you're probably you, you'll probably smoke less cigarettes we don't want that alcohol industry oh shit you're smoking pot you might not drink as much shit we don't want that pharmaceutical industry was that was that their thinking? Yeah, because that, as it turns out, that doesn't seem like <laughs> that doesn't seem like it makes any sense. Well, guess now. what? Because in my experience, it certainly isn't. That's certainly not well, it. Get, well, guess yeah. what? In Colorado, these numbers panned out to be true. Pharmaceutical pharmaceutical really? overdoses went by down by twenty percent. Prescription prescription really? refills went down by twenty percent. Domestic abuse calls to the police went down by like 10%. Drunk driving arrests went down by like 5%. So like across the board, and, I, and I'm just going to go out on a limb here, Ben and Jerry's sales went up by like 25%. <laughs> yes. Skittles, the Skittles company made out like bandits, yeah, right? <laughs> Potato chip sales went through the right? roof. <laughs> and here, 20 years prior to that, Tony, we're, we're kicking down people's door for this victimless crime, confiscating their cars and shit. Like, really? Well, the waste of resources and manpower and just flooding our courts with things that just proved to be not that big a deal. I mean, even my friend Jason 
after a while I was getting law enforcement, you know, and at first he was like, you know, if it's a crime, you've got to come down on them. It's illegal. And then even after a while, he was like, yeah, who cares? People smoke pot. Right. Cause he's, cause he yeah. sees, Oh, they might run a stop sign or something, but they're not the people that are going to knife somebody. They're not, they're not going right. to be hit. I'm not going to be called to a domestic dispute call at their house that night for sure. Right. Like, they're going to be high watching a movie. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just clearly I've been I've been binge watching a Breaking Bad, you know, the show about the, you know, Walter White and yeah. his cooked yeah. meth, right? And yeah, it's there's a little difference between people that do a lot of meth as opposed to people that smoke a lot of pot. It's just not pretty the same, big difference. You know? It's like yeah, it's like a it's, chasm, like the like the grand canyon yeah, between them. They're, they're not the two. They're not the people, Dave, that are going to go beat you over the head so they can get money. So they can get you. No, that just doesn't. Well, you know. but nowadays, if it's, you know, if it's fucking five pounds or more, people do do that now. Well, when, when it comes to for money and profit, Dave, people will kill you for your tennis shoes. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Remember if you're Air Jordan, people will kill you for I Air do. Jordans. But just the, the typical person that's, you know, smokes pot every day isn't really a, a major threat to society. People that are on speed all day, I mean, they go into what they call psychotic episodes. Dave. Yeah. I mean, would you rather would you rather have somebody next living next door that was um, growing some plants and smoking pot, or cooking meth and and smoking a lot of uh, pranks? I would. Which one would you? I rather wouldn't have? want either one because somebody might come with guns blazing to their house either way. True. That's that's a very good point, Dave. But basically, the the major threat isn't the guy that's smoking a no, no, joint. no. The the guy yeah. that's smoking a joint is harmless. <clears throat> the guy with twenty five plants in his backyard. Yeah, that's true. Oh, you got a point. Oh that's shit! Point. Now you've got. If he's a good gardener, that's fifty pounds of weed, Tony. That's fifty. Yeah. That's fifty to maybe even more. So that's fifty to a hundred thousand dollars right there. If you have like a distribution network, right? So if you're a gang, but the but the point, but Dave, the point is taken, right? I mean, it's just well to to make marijuana illegal and to put them in the category of these other drugs is. It's silly, and it's been proven. Well, and I'm I'm agreeing with you, and I want to draw this to a couple real world examples that i have right here in santa rosa and what i'm what i'm what i'm exacerbating with this is that we need to legalize it and make it just common like make it like lettuce so that people don't get killed over this shit right Right. so what happened here in santa rosa two years ago this gang was looking over google earth looking around Sonoma County on Google Earth, right? Sonoma County is notorious for growing weed. They found this guy's yard with these, you know, just covered in pot plants. So they drove all the way from the East Coast. Five gang members from the Crips drove all the way from to Santa Rosa from like New Jersey and New York. And North Car- one of them was from North Carolina. Five of them <clears throat> go to this guy's house 
all with guns, kick his door in. Um, actually, there were two. So the first one, the guy fired back and ended up killed. He got in a, he went he got in a shootout with him. He grabbed a rifle and started shooting back. So they killed him. Searched the house. There was no weed. There was no money. They were old pictures, and it turned out the guy had leased his yard to a grower, like two year, the year before. So somebody grew pot in the guy's yard. The plants and the money were never at the guy's house. The guy harvested his weed and was long gone. This poor guy that rented his yard out to somebody ends up murdered in his own house from a gang from the East Coast. Then they went to his neighbor's house because they're like, well, fuck, we're not leaving without something. This guy did have weed. They duct taped him to a chair and tortured him because they thought he had a bunch of money, but he didn't. He just had like, I think it was the same thing even that like that it was somebody else's weed in his yard and he didn't have a bunch. He didn't have a stash of money anywhere and, and they kept torturing him and then eventually they just left and went on and, and then they caught four of them, but they never caught the one chick. She got away. And then there's another case. <clears throat> My mom lives in a senior housing complex here in Santa Rosa. Across the street from her is a gang house. And somebody went to the front door, knocked on the door with a gun. And the, the guy looked out the side window, saw a guy at his front door with a gun and just opened up fire. So all of a sudden there's, you know, shootout and there was three guys at the front door he he shot two of them killed one injured another one but the guy two of them ran all the way back got in the car the injured one died in the parking lot of kaiser where they got in a shootout with the cops again or where they got in a shot shootout with the cops and uh yeah craziness Freaking wild and that's west. over weed, dude. But because yeah, the that's... dollar amount, right? Like, so when when shit gets so crazy, imagine if imagine if there was no food in the grocery stores, Tony. Oh, damn! Like, you know, people will kill each other over toilet paper. <laughs> that's true, right? I mean, when things get scarce, people get people weird. get weird, buddy. People yeah. get weird. We can. They we do, can be wonderful, they're... loving creatures, right? We could be so generous. Like, there's so much beauty about humanity, right? But fuck, we have a dark side. Yeah, and especially, you know, when resources get scarce, Dave. I mean, when it comes down to, when it comes right down to it, that slogan, you know, that saying, every man for himself... That's the way it you, is. You read my mind. It doesn't take much for us to think other. You're other. You're not my spouse. You're not my family. You're other. You're outside. You're cut off. You're the enemy. Right? It's easy for us to go oh, there. Man. Our our fucking tribalness is so close as far as evolution goes, right? It's not that long ago that we really relied on our tribe, you know? A little group of families. And those other families over there, they were fucking take, trying to take our shit. 
Yeah, and a lot of times Literally. they were. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Literally. You know, because somebody's got better farming land or somebody's got something or fuck, dude. Somebody just tried to steal my car the other night. You kidding? Oh, people will steal yeah. anything. Some motherfucker. There. I left my truck unlocked. I go out. Somebody had taken apart the whole column on the ignition and was trying to was about to hotwire it. Motherfucker. I had I literally, David, had pennies stolen from my center console and old tennis balls. Old tennis balls that had been used, and I was saving them because you and I back in those days were playing uh, tennis baseball, playing wall ball. And remember how many tennis balls we would go through when you were playing those games and somebody took those wow. that broke into my car and took that. I'm thinking to myself, you're, you've got to be kidding me. So you literally have to change in my center console, which amounted to, I don't know, a buck <laughs> fifty <laughs> and old tennis balls that are worth nothing. Now that's a crackhead. What That's a doing? crackhead for you, right? Like what you stole has no resale value. Do you do you understand that? Like <laughs> everything you just did was for nothing. Somebody somebody broke into Rick Bushner's. Rick Bushner, good buddy. Uh, fix it tricky is what we call them, right? Because you ever need anything yeah. fixed, you ask fucking Rick. Oh, all you do is blah, 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 blah. Um, tell you how to fix yeah. fix or build anything. But anyway, Tricky Bush Dick right. had somebody break in at this time. We were in our 20s or something, right? So, like, we're just young punks trying to make a living in the city, San Francisco. He has an Aries K-Car station wagon with a stock AM radio, a pair of used tennis shoes because he played tennis, and a fan. Somebody broke his window to break in, stole the used tennis shoes, the fan, and pried the fucking AM radio out of his dashboard. Like, dude, nobody's going to give you a crack rock for a fucking AM radio from an Aries K car station wagon. I'm sorry. <laughs> what are you thinking? Criminal mastermind. Exactly. And that in itself is proof of how speed destroys minds. Like, dude, you're spending all this time and energy. No, nobody's going to give you anything. They're just going to look at you like you're crazy. (laughs) Yeah. But when you're spun out of your head like that, Dave, things make sense that don't (laughs) make sense. Yeah. 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 Reality's not reality anymore. I mean, how about the whole the whole aspect, the whole thing of taking things apart when they're called what do they call that tweaker? Tweaker, yeah. The tweaker airman tweaking, and you're like, gee, I got to take apart. I wonder how a microwave works. Hmm. (laughs) But then it never gets put back together, right? And just how about the the unnaturalness, Dave? Of the kind of drug that tells you you don't need oh, God. food, water, sex, sleep, sleep. <laughs> what good the about best that? things in life? Food, sex, and sleep. Like, no, nah, I don't need that shit. Nah, I'm good. I'm totally good. 
I'm just going to be mm-hmm. over here, like taking apart five stereos, but not putting them back together. I mean, I think Robin Williams has a really good bit about being on too much coke. Oh, right. Doesn't he have that famous bit about being? He's on got too a much famous coke? bit about everything. It makes it makes me uh, paranoid and impotent. You know, paranoid, and impotent, and like, boy, I got yeah, and I that. can't get enough. <laughs> What yeah, is this is the point? worst shit in the world, but fuck, give me more of that. It, well, it's the only thing in the world that lab rats will push a button to get dispensed over sex, food, or maybe just those two. What, Being with be, other, I, I've seen it with more. Right, and they'll do it. I think they've done it with all these different animals and they'll not only will they choose it over all that other shit, but they'll do it repeatedly until they have a heart attack and die. Yeah. Like more, 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 more. Whoops. Yeah, oh power, fuck. Whoops. The power yeah. of addiction. One's too many and a hundred's not enough. Yeah. Oh man. You know what I thought you said for a second is the hour of addiction. Cause that's all it would take for you to kill yourself. If you had an unlimited supply, right? Like, here you go. <laughs> one hour of addiction, one less junkie. Well, and also too, David, you know, for different people, it affects them in different ways. I mean, some people, you know, they take a drink, Dave, and they just won't drink again until whenever. Other people take a drink and, you know, shortly after, you know, somewhere down the road, it's now they're alcoholics. Well, it, it doesn't happen like that. The, the, alcoholism can can happen like can anybody can become an alcoholism right an, an alcoholic it can be genetic but it can also be created is what i was trying to say so if anybody drinks mm-hmm. every day for a month you're going to be an alcoholic right but why but what fuels what facilitates the desire well, it's it's a mental situation and it's a it's a psychological issue is what it is it's um so it's different issues for different people but what i've learned about it because i've studied it is that it usually relates to past trauma so it's a a seeking for numbing right Mm -hmm. escapism exactly exactly um, and when it gets really bad, you escape for five minutes, but then you let you let shit slide in your life that comes back like a tidal wave. Like, oh fuck, I didn't pay my credit card. Whoops, I missed rent. Didn't show up to work. Whatever, right? Like, oh fuck. And then you're more depressed. You you, yeah, more. Right, but now it's causing problems, right? Because like, oh, fuck, I drank so much, I didn't show right. up to work. Oh shit, now that makes it hard to pay rent. Ooh, fuck. Right. Yeah. But why don't we look at drug addiction like we do alcoholism, right? Because alcoholism is so widely accepted, right? Liquor store in every corner, pretty much. There's booze at the grocery store. There's bars everywhere. Well, and alcohol in every culture, Dave. You know, Irish. And there's drugs in every culture, too, though. You know, but it, but, <clears throat> but I mean, it's, but as far as an acceptable, acceptable thing, I mean, you know, Italian, big Italian dinners, Dave, well, 
a bunch of bottles of wine. Yeah. But take that yeah. substance. Irish, Irish whiskey is you, you go down to the pub and have a pint with your buddies and you have a good shot of good old Irish but whiskey. But you take that substance but, and substitute it for something else, and all of a sudden now it's taboo, right? And isn't that weird? Because it's, you know, booze, like hard alcohol especially, like it takes a lot of creation. But like pot, we're just talking about, oh, you just pick it out of the ground, <laughs> you know? Opium, it just grows like that. You just scrape it right off the thing. Like you don't have to do anything to it. And it fucks you up. <laughs> right? Alcohol, you got to do all this shit to it. You got to make it. It's good. Te- the temperature has got to be right. But it's so easy. But there is a thing with alcohol, too, though, Dave, where you can use alcohol, you know, general use of alcohol, to not, but without ever having the idea of getting drunk, just you have a glass of wine with dinner. You know, you drink it, you, you know, you sip a little bit of this, and it just, oh, I, it just tastes good. I never, you know, with Coke and Pod, I never use them to not get high. <laughs> Never once. My main purpose was to get high. I don't think there's many people that just that drink alcohol that just have a glass of wine at at dinner. I think most of those people probably had a couple drinks before dinner. They might have a a mixed drink after dinner. But I can remember my mom with some of her friends, they would go out or have, you know, some kind of celebration or whatever, Dave. And nobody was getting yeah. drunk. It just wasn't, you know, a sloppy drunk mess. It was, oh, I had a beer or two at this at this gathering. You know, it's like I'm not drunk. You know, well, I enjoy this wine or taste this this liqueur is good. It goes with well, this. sloppy drunk. You know, and, and having a good buzz on two totally different things, right? Because my mom was always talking about, well, the idea of drinking is to drink and not get drunk. I'm like, no, let's see. For me growing up, that was never, that wasn't it. Why, we, why did we go to get, get hammered? We didn't get one beer. We gained, we drank beer to get hammered. When I heard, hear her say this, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I, well, and then you see just culturally, you know, there's a lot of drink people, a lot of people that drink that, you know, won't get drunk. I mean, my grandpa used to, and he owned a bar and was really into beer and wines and stuff like that. Dave, I never saw the guy stumble or stutter once. Yes. I think he drank every well, day. And see that, well, there's, well, there's that. He used to call it Nectar of the Gods. Oh, yeah. I've, I've, <laughs> I've heard that and I've used that before. I'm, I'm having a beer right now, yeah. but um, here you go. <laughs> Click, <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> but I think it's just funny the way society and culture looks at those things, right? Because if you want to go back thousands of years, psychedelics were revered, right? Like really, right. really, like high up there in society. Um, mm-hmm. And now it's it's one one once again one of those things of perspective. And shaming, right? Like, oh, you know, like people, you know, just society in general just looks down upon that, upon like exploring your, what do they call it? Your consciousness, 
and um, pretty fascinating yeah, I, stuff. I mean, I guess because they're you know they'll demonize these things, Dave, and and like so many things, there is a, a grain of truth in there. There is some truth in this, but then they'll people you know, for their own reasons um, will say that see how bad this is. This is totally unacceptable. We can't have this. We should demonize it. We should penalize it. You know when. You know, in reality, a lot of people will will use these substances and never become addicted to it, and will just at some point stop. I'm one of them. Just yeah. Stop. Well, it, you know what's amazing, Tony, yeah. is speaking of psychedelics. Nobody's ever gotten addicted to psychedelics. As a matter of fact, I've never heard that anybody did. I never heard that there was any withdrawal symptoms right. or. And, and yeah. just kind Anything of the way like they work, speaking from personal experience, you don't want to take them too frequently because it's taxing, right? You're like, wow, that was intense. I need time to recover and, and get back to yeah. square one and get my feet on the ground. And whew, that was a lot, right? So you, you wouldn't want to do it the next day, you know, and and if you do, you mm-hmm. you might do that a couple few times as a young person and then be like, oh, that was okay. Whew. Been there, done that. Don't need to do that anymore. Um, yeah. I got but over there's these trip. profound things that you can learn. And uh, what's fascinating now, Tony, is, is there's a whole resurgence in LSD in Silicon Valley. And what these programmers are doing is they're doing what's called microdosing. So they'll take a, one hit of acid, which is like a, about 100 micrograms, and they'll cut, they'll cut that in 10 mm-hmm. pieces. And they'll take one piece every day. But it's such a small amount that you don't even feel it. But what it does, they've, they've now... Um, you know, thanks to technology, you can see the brain activity when they put these um, these little um, electrodes all over this person's head, and then they feed them acid, and they study the, what the brain is doing. All these different areas of the brain are communicating with each other, which don't ordinarily communicate. And, and it's kind of counterintuitive. It goes all the way right back to like Jimi Hendrix talking about like, you know, tasting color and, and feeling sound. It, th- those two areas mm-hmm. of your brain are literally communicating with each other. The visual and the auditory are communicating with each other where they're normally hardwired apart. And what they've also found is that it forms neurogenesis meaning it creates new brain cells and the possibility for new brain connections. So if you've had a brain injury that injured a certain part of your brain through psychedelics, your brain can regrow the connection in a different mechanism. It'll utilize a different part of the brain to achieve the same uh, end result. So vision, hearing, thought processing. Isn't that fascinating? That is really interesting. They're talking about 
hope they keep studying this stuff and come up with come up with cures for a lot of things. They're That'd talking about this might be the cure for Alzheimer's, Tony. Yeah, because of neurogenesis. So these certain nerves are uh, uh, neuro tissues are dying, but if you can grow new ones to replace them, boom. Yeah, wouldn't that it's, be they're actually huh? showing really good results. I watched a podcast today. Paul Stamets, the mushroom guru, um, he's amazing. He's done so many, uh, so much research. <clears throat> he's actually worked with the military. Um, he's developed a pesticide using mushrooms where pests eat this mushroom-based uh, pesticide that's all natural and then mushrooms grow within the ants and so like that's what kills them is a, mu a mushroom grows within them and then they just turn into food for that mushroom and then it turns you know boom a mushroom grows so there's nothing toxic pretty fascinating mm. but uh he also says that mushrooms are the oldest thing on planet earth and that they were the first, that they allowed proteins to develop. So his theory is that mushrooms arrived here on an asteroid because they don't have anything similar um, in common with, with other shit on Earth. So apparently they came from an asteroid. They have the power to break up rock, which created rock dust, which then released the minerals into the hard-packed, compact, volcanic earth crust at that time and created topsoil and allowed for the, you know, the establishment of topsoil and, and, and growth and, and, and um, photosynthesis as we know it. So pretty fascinating. And, and what helps plants grow more than the, more than the nutrients they receive is this stuff called mitochondrial fiber. That's it's DNA. DNA under the um, soil that connects. Oh, mycorrhizal. I'm sorry, mycorrhizal, but it's basically the same thing. So this mycorrhizal fiber grows like a web through underneath the soil, and it interconnects all the plants. And what they've been able to study is that it decides how much nutrients a plant needs and it's transferred to those plants. It's, it's a communication network. I mean, this is mind-blowing stuff, right? Mm -hmm. and, and this was, so this was discovered the same year, I believe, that they discovered the largest organism on Earth was a two square mile patch of, of this mycorrhizal mushroom fungi. It's basically the roots. The mushroom is just the fruit, right? So the plant is living below the surface and spreading below the surface. So the largest organism on earth is a two square mile mushroom patch in Oregon. And that's, what, that's where they started doing this research. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Fascinating. And then have you heard about the stoned ape theory? Nope. So this theory is that 
psychoactive mushrooms helped us develop our larger brain over tens of thousands of years. Because, um, and this is based on, on partially on writings and partially on cave drawings, like the oldest known cave drawings are like these crazy psychedelic looking creatures that are like, it's a, looks like an aardvark with a bee face and a human body. <laughs> right. And it's got little mushrooms popping off of all of its arms and shoulders. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> How high were you? <laughs> it pretty freaking high, apparently. But that's like the first cave art. These fucking people were high as fuck. And and not just doing art for any, but like this, you know, pay attention. This is the shit. You guys need this, right? And every, if you think about it, every culture like has shamans and, 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 and like, like we were saying, now we vilify these people, but we're in a we're in a crazy time right now, Tony, where Oakland, California just passed a law where they're a lot allowing these ayahuasca ceremonies to take place now. And ayahuasca is this crazy psychedelic that's made from plants in the Peruvian rainforest and only grows in a certain area mostly in Peru, in the rainforest. Might, I don't know. It grows in the rainforest. It might be everywhere. But, <laughs> but these native shaman in Peru make this shit. And it's two, two plants out of hundreds of thousands in the rainforest, right? So how the fuck did you know? So they ask the shaman, like, well, how the fuck do you know which plants and what ratio? And like, he's like, oh, the plants told me. <laughs> okay and now well, I mean I guess trial and error right even you use certain things and you go oh my god this one got me really that, high and the other one just and that one killed good. Bob <laughs> right yeah. oh Bob's dead oh, let's not drink that one yeah right like certain mushrooms but no, you eat but no. they taste good Certain mushrooms get you high, and certain but ones. But the shaman you. Tony straight up said the plants spoke to us, because it's two plants that have to be mixed together, and then boiled for twenty hours. So, so it's not wow. like you, it's not like a mushroom where you just pick it. No, you got to mix these two different things because the psychoactive one, our body has an anti for it an antibody for it right so you have to mix another plant with it that counters our bodies and a body <laughs> so it allows you to feel it otherwise our body rejects it as poison yeah and how they just you know again like just you just keep going and doing it and you come up with whatever combination And then all works. of a sudden you come up with a dosage and like, yeah, take this much. Okay. Alrighty then. And now it's like a, it's like a yuppie thing. Now you can pay to go to Peru and go to a resort where you do yoga and meditation. And then you trip balls for 12 hours with a shaman in a room with a bunch of other people <laughs> and you're puking and shitting. Some people shit themselves too. 
It's that hard. It's that intense, Tony. So your body, you're puking and shitting. And then all of a sudden you're just covered in puke and shit and tripping fucking balls like for 12 hours straight. And nobody says it's fun. Nobody has ever said like, oh, man, I had a great time. What they say (laughs) is I learned a lot. Right. Apparently, if you get high enough, everybody has the same experience where this female serpent creature entity might basically tells you where you've been fucking up in life and what you need to change. Wow. Yeah. So it's like a tough love session. Whoa, what's that noise? Oh, it's uh, my niece is getting Ooh. some ice. Yeah, boy, isn't that funny how loud yeah, that is? Yeah, it's funny. Now I know what you're talking about when I'm doing dishes when I'm talking to you or something. So, so isn't that wild? It's like, uh, you know, people self, you know, voluntarily going into a situation where you're going to puke and shit yourself and be told how you're a piece of shit and what you need to do different. <laughs> and people sign up for this and pay thousands of dollars to, you know, but it's fascinating. Wow. It's fascinating because of how the stories are so similar of when people describe what they experience. It's so similar. It's fascinating. Well, I mean, this is where all our new medicines and things are going to come from. I think so. I think so. Um, I think it, I think we at least need to have an open mind to it. I mean, if you're studying, if you're studying the human mind, wouldn't you want to study everything that affects the human mind and how it affects it? Seems reasonable, right? Like, like we're pumping kids full of fucking drugs at earlier and earlier ages. Now we got all these kids going psycho and shooting up a bunch of places, right? Wouldn't you want to think we might want to look at a different approach? Well, if it doesn't work, <laughs> you got to look for another yeah. way. If it ain't broke and Bobby just shot up the mall. Uh... <laughs> oh. All right. <laughs> or if it ain't working and Bobby just shot up the mall, you might want to fix it. Well, there's the trial and error. Right. Right. So, but yeah, it's fascinating. Like, uh, I don't, you know, you might want to you might want to do some YouTube research on that, or I, if you want, I can forward you some stuff. But there's some fascinating stuff about the viewing the human brain on on psilocybin and LSD, and also on microdosing, and how you can trigger the interaction of the brain without feeling the the psychoact psychoactive effects, right? So people people well, have figured out if you take a tiny, 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 tiny amount, the same brain, you'll still fire up the same areas of the brain, but you won't be high. Interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, fascinating. And we're just we're just getting started. Like, um, I think there's a state that got permitted to study psilocybin now. So that's. Yeah, it's funny. Why would you have? Why would it be prevented 
in the first place. Well, the only thing I can think of is mind control because you don't want, you know, <laughs> and that goes back to, oh, that goes back to a podcast I did on don't trust the government. So the funniest fact I think I've ever learned is that our government was trying to do this program, MK Ultra. The CIA was trying to do this MK Ultra program. And their goal, their ultimate goal was to be able to create a Manchurian candidate, right? Like a zombie assassin or something, right? And who knows? They might have succeeded with, with Sirhan Sirhan because he says he has no memory. But anyway, that program is totally documented through history. But one of the funny things I learned doing the research for that podcast was that this guy, Sidney Gottlieb, he had carte blanche to run a black ops program to study mind control. He bought the entire world supply of LSD and brought it back to the U.S. with the goal of using it to brainwash people. And <laughs> it pretty much had the opposite effect. And anybody that took it is like, fuck the man down with the man. Like, you know, and I think that's pretty much what started the sixties is like, <laughs> they were, the government was using this and testing this on all these people, hoping to get to create like zombies and like, you know, whatever mind control people, but, and they ruined a bunch of lives doing it. So I'm not laughing. It's a horrible program. But the end result is that they created these people like Timothy Leary and uh, Ken Kesey that went around the country giving people acid, like talking about how great it was. And, you know, and then all of a sudden we got the Beatles and Jimi Hendrix and the Summer of Love. So it to <laughs> totally backfired on them. It went from the goal of mind control to the Summer of Love. <laughs> mind expansion yeah but with with that david i um something's going on with my brain right now and that's sleep <laughs> right on buddy well i think we knocked it out of the park once again love you buddy this has been tony schultz with dave smith and another thing keeping it real and meandering in real time see you next time dave Have This has been another conversation with Tony on And Another Thing with Dave. Thanks for tuning in. And please do feel free to check us out on other, on other platforms. We're now available, I'm happy to say, we're available on eight different platforms, including Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Spotify, and many more. So... If we're not available on your favorite, favorite platform, please do request it. <clears throat> please also check me out on YouTube, Instagram, and on uh, Facebook. And another thing, with Dave. Peace out. Keep fighting. <laughs>